0: here we go guys today with me my guest is sylvia dou she opened a cycle spinning studio in 2001 started adventure racing in 2001 started a woman's master race team in 2005 started cycle fit chicks a woman's only cycling club in 2008 she's competed in bikini and figure events in 2013 she obtained a level three national cycling coaching certification she's a wife she's a mother of two and she now runs an online cycle coaching program in addition to an online fitness program. Sylvie, that's quite the bio. Um, happy to have you on.
1: I am so excited to be here. Actually, I'm super nervous. And I have three kids actually. Oh, there's
0: three. Okay. I guess <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That
1: <laughs> that's okay. There yeah. was one down there, but I did, and I had, I had one and then I had two. <laughs> so,
0: <All right>. Twins. <laughs> Twins? No, no, oh, no, no. no. Okay. Two extra. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. First
1: marriage, second marriage.
0: Oh, got it. Um okay, yeah, bye. I'm
1: super excited to be here, Nick. Um, thanks for asking me
0: to yeah, be no. on
1: or can, collaborating here.
0: Yeah, no, it's gonna be good. So in keeping with the theme of the of the podcast, the whole like the general reason I started this was because I got to a point a few years ago where there was a voice in my head that said, there is no coming back. The things that you've done, the meth, the needles, the bad relationship experiences, Mm. the multiple trips to prison, the people that have wounded you, the people that you wounded, all the bad mistakes, all of it. You are now stuck in this permanent place where you can never rise above and come out of all this toxicity and tragedy and have an amazing life filled with abundance and fulfillment and joy and get to a place where you can achieve unlimited long-term success and actually get up every day, like happy and enjoying life. And I had to go on this deep dive to figure out if that was true or not. And my journey, oddly enough, started with podcasts. Like I was driving truck in Texas and I told my wife that I, I think I need to see a therapist or something, you know, and she's like, <laughs> you know, I support you, whatever you, you know, cause she's, she, you know, we put our best face out there. Like nobody knows the dark corners of our own place, but our spouses do. Right. And she was all supportive and like the money and the time Mm -hmm. didn't work for therapy, but I found podcasts. Mm -hmm. I just got my first iPhone that year and it took me into a world that I had never even known was out there. Um, stuff like, um, you know, how to leverage tragedy and come back you know, rags to riches stories, guys that were living in their car. And now they're like the CEO of a vitamin and supplement firm and like all this stuff. And I thought, you know what? There's hope for me. So yeah. I want to I stay in that vein of leveraging tragedy and setbacks to build an amazing life. So as we break in, we're just going to dive right in here. What are some of the, you know, tragic or uncomfortable or rough things that you've gone through in your past, in your youth and adolescence, mm-hmm. that kind of started you down down that road so to speak and then we'll get into how you leveraged all that towards the end
1: (laughs) well thanks thanks for asking nick because sometimes it's it's the best way is to talk about it right and to share your story because that there are so many other people who i'm sure are in spaces that aren't so positive and it's kind of hard sometimes to to crawl your way out of them because you just let yourself go down such a, a deep road. Um, I guess I can start with um, growing up. Um, I grew up on a farm in a small town in Quebec. And, um, you know, it, it's funny because the more I talk about it, the more I realize that sport really saved my life. And it had nothing to do with bike, cycling, um, bicycles. However, I did have a bicycle. And I did use it to get to and fro uh, work until you got the car license, right? And then you just dropped the bike and you basically disappeared. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, but um, I guess I guess I could start with um, childhood and growing up on the farm. Or if anybody's gr- grown off up on farms in the '80s, I guess you know farming was good. Farming was really hard. It was really challenging. Um, my family life wasn't the warmest. Um, I can't say it was super negative, but it wasn't full of um, communication and love and and uh, and I don't know. It just it was very lonely. Like I was very a very lonely kid and um, and teenager. Even though I had lots of friends around me, I always felt very lonely. Were you an and, only child? Um, no. I was one of three sisters. I was the eldest and uh, we each have our stories with regards to our family life because of our age differences. Um, you know, um, I just, you know, I ha- there was a time in my life where um, I, but I just felt like I just needed to find some acknowledgement with my parents and I tried to take my life twice. Um, and just like, you know, I just need them to see me. It wasn't these things never for attention. The more I think about it, the more I talk about it and, and just reflect on it. It was just like, I was just wanted my parents to realize I was there and and maybe hug and talk and, and love and, and things like that. And, and so I figured, you know, maybe, you know, how, I mean, if anybody's survived suicide, you know, you're, you're just like you're trying to get that, I guess, attention for me, it was and taking care of business to put, you know, food and shelter and, you know, food on the table. And there was just no time for us. We were pretty, um, you know, busy with just trying to keep ourselves entertained on the farm. Um, but, uh, you know, and that's why I went to sport and I would literally after school for recreational sport every night of the week, anytime I, I could, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I did everything. I did field hockey, volleyball, track, cross country, any sport I can get to. I, I even like I was a, a cheerleader. I did the lines on the side of the <laughs> football field. like I was there um, just so I didn't have to go home.
0: So Um, you were were saying that it wasn't uh, necessarily a toxic family upbringing, but there just was, there was like a conspicuous absence of affirmation and connection mm -hmm. at home. Yeah. So leading into the sports thing that you started doing, was this like a discovery moment where if you went to sports and you were really good at it, you would gain like validation and respect and the connection that you were looking for at home, you were starting to find in the sporting events.
1: Uh, you would think that would happen. I just, I, no, no, I, you know, Nick, there was one time I, like, I absolutely loved sports and, um, and I love track and there was one year that I went to tra- uh, track meet and I did the speed walk you ever, you know, no speed walk,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the sure. race walk. Yep. And I broke a record. Like I didn't even train. I just did it. Went into the the category. And I, I broke the wreck and I came back and I told my dad, he's like, Oh, you know, if you got a better sleep, you could have went a whole lot faster. I was just like, <laughs> uh, what? Like it, I, you know, I, just like, I would, <laughs> I would never forget that. I was just like, uh, did I go faster? I just broke a record. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right. You know? So, so there's just, no like like being better Can, yeah. couldn't be better so as soon as I, honestly Nick as soon as I got my license I was gone Well, yeah. not gone I was gone every weekend I take the car and I would literally not come back and um and I I party a lot uh it's funny because like I partied I did sports I was like I smoked you know and I'm like I don't even know how I I graduated high school, honestly, but thankfully I did. Um, And, um, you know, I got a job, like had jobs and I worked on the farm too. My dad was really grateful for that. Surprisingly, still talks about how awesome I was. Um, So I guess, you know, there, there's a good affirmation right there right at 30 years later. Thanks dad.
0: <laughs> so like, with, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. With, the, with the suicide <laughs> attempts that you had, like you needed it back then, but like the suicide attempts, um, I would really, if you're willing, I'd like to go a little deeper and actually talk about how you did that, like how actually you tried to do that. And if you got the response that you needed, whether temporary or not at all from your parents, after you did that, you know,
1: Nick, um, I tried twice and like, I'm not going to downgrade suicide, but, um, no, I don't even think they realized it, yeah. um, to tell you the truth. And it was funny because like, I tried to slit my wrists and quite apparently not with the sharpest knife in the drawer, thankfully. Um, and I tried to take, um, I don't know, I think of like the whole bottle of aspirin yeah, and you know, that that didn't work either. Sure. And it's quite funny because my mom was never a very affectionate person. She still isn't, she's warming up, right? This is like, I'm 50 now. So, you know, 50 years ago, um, 50 years now. And we were talking, like, I always like, try and talk to her about our childhood. And she's always like, oh, I must have been the worst. You know, like just the victim. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm just not going here. Right. But I said, hey, this is just the other day. I said, did you realize that I tried to take my life twice? And she just looked at me and then looked away. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm not going anywhere with that, honestly. <laughs> right. So it's just, you know, I was I was looking for acknowledgement Mm-hmm. I wasn't being bullied it had nothing to do with school where some kids like nowadays they're just trying to relieve themselves from I don't know like these r- hardships or the things that are happening to them and m- honestly it was just about in a family like I just want to be like I don't um, know
0: recognized yeah. that I was well, there it's like a human need
1: yeah. yeah it's, it's, a, it's hard to explain. I was trying to figure out like how I explain that. But um, I also tried to run away twice. on uh, right. you know, to the next neighborhood, right? Next right. village. Which uh-huh. if you're on a back road, who drives on the back roads? All of your neighbors. Right. And so you know, <laughs> my neighbor picked me up. <laughs> how
0: old were you? My how old were you the first oh time? I must that? have
1: been, I must have been
0: fourteen because
1: yeah. I didn't have my license.
0: <laughs> no, I, I yeah. see, I see the picture of a young farm girl, like in like
1: patched uh-huh. t-
0: yeah. overalls with a stick and a bandana in oh. the back, you know.
1: No, like- <laughs> oh, it wasn't that bad. You know, like it's not that old. <laughs> but, but no, no but I, you think I, about I it, and they're like, no, come ahead. back and say, "Hey, did uh, mm-hmm. you know that we took your daughter, <laughs> to, you know, to the next village over?" Right. No. No, mm. so I started
0: oh. running away when I was 12. And mm. it, it was to get away from like, heavy handed, you know, I I struggle even to mm. call it abuse, because I still don't even I still don't even know how to process all of that. But you know, a lot of just, you know, punching bag stuff and the demoralizing, mm. you know, like being someone's verbal and physical punching bag. And I noticed real quick that there is a whole conglomeration of young kids living on the streets these days, that you know, uh, like attracts like, man. And I started hanging out with the wrong crowd, people that were Mm. in toxic homes themselves. And uh, I got the validation, the support, the friendship, and what was perceived as love and affection at that time, you know, by people that were in toxic situations as I was. But the problem with all that is that we're also trying to you know, medicate a deep seated pain. And that's where the addiction starts. So um circling back to like all those things you're going through, like at the house, was there ever any addictions? I, I know you said you were partying, but there's like your weekenders, you know, they just mm-hmm. get around the bonfire and just like have a few drinks with their friends. But then there's also the people that have really given themselves over to an addiction of some kind to medicate a deep seated pain that exists within them. Did you have a season of your life where you were struggling with addictions?
1: No, I can honestly say that. um, No, it wasn't part of my DNA to go that way. Mm. Um, There's always like a lot of control. Like I, I partied on the weekends, like honestly, in the summers, I would party, I would work, I would have, like come back nap for 15 minutes, go out, leave work, party. Um, and even that wasn't like overdone. Um, I do remember, uh, doing cocaine once and <laughs> cocaine I was driving and I had this accident with the car. There's three of us in there mm. back roads again. And then we are fine. Thankfully. Um, the car wasn't so fine but when we walked home back to the family house right dad's like where's the car Mm -hmm. i'm like it's down the road Mm -hmm. and she got in the tractor (laughs) and pulled it back home and that was that like nothing no police no nut took care of the right and um and i just never like i was just like whoa that was like intense and um i'm never gonna do that again like a lot of my friends i mean there are certain like I had my stoner friends for sure, but I just, um, I didn't like the way it made me feel. I didn't like feeling out of control. Um, so it was never part of ever in my life.
0: I wonder if I never went that
1: down that route.
0: I wonder if sports, yeah, or- well, are you? like a, your way to escape kind of, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Like I was, it was funny. Cause like, um, I, like I said, I was active in just about everything. Um, and, uh, even like when I left, like as soon as I graduated, I left, like I moved in with a boyfriend. I left like Mm -hmm. the day after I graduated, moved in, started work. And then, um, but I didn't, I didn't continue my physical fitness when I left. Like it was literally to get out of the house. I'd do anything like I never, I was never really good at any one thing, um, I remember like, you're like, so, and it and this kind of traveled with me uh from sport to sport was the the feeling of not being good enough, um and you know, okay, bit of um, I don't want to say abuse, not like verbal abuse, but like just like, I just remember there I had a I had a uh, volleyball coach, and he would always. Like I was like the last person benched, you know, there's just, you know, favorites in the girls Mm -hmm. um, for it. And you're just like, fuck, you know, Um, how do you get around that? Um, And then it, 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 I saw it again in one of my other sports, Ultimate Frisbee, when I went to a high level, it was just like, you know, you're not good enough. You're not like, you know, we can't play you. And I was just like this is so wrong, you know? (laughs) Like,
0: No, I want to camp there for a minute because (laughs) mindset is a big deal. It's one Mm. of the things that I've been learning on this journey of when I started listening to the podcast, my wife and I were living in an RV down in South Texas and I was making chicken scratch wages, driving a belly dump truck around San Antonio. And some of the, you know, they say when the student's ready, the teacher arrives right yeah. and I was at a place where I was looking for answers and a lot of the podcasts I was listening to were talking about mindset and attraction mm-hmm. and I was like all right this sounds really esoteric mm-hmm. and mystical and like you know how does my mind have anything to do with the opportunities and and the blessings and the wealth that I attract back to myself but over the years I discovered that they really really do so like Um, I'm wondering if the mindset that was developed in you kind of living in that home where it was never good enough there's never Mm -hmm. any affirmation or praise and you start developing this mindset of I'm not good enough if you carried that into your adult years and then this relationship choice that you mentioned just a second ago was just Mm -hmm. like almost like your ticket out of the house like Mm -hmm. I I, where I'm Yeah. yeah and it's not and it was we don't check for compatibility we don't like <laughs> and we we and we end up attracting back to ourselves like exactly what we feel we're allowed to have, and if we're yeah. and if our thinking and our mindset is, I don't want to use the word substandard. I, I feel like that has a negative. No,
1: point. use it because it's true.
0: Right? And like you get and that. I'll
1: tell you. Oh uh, yeah, I'll tell you that that relationship was hugely abusive, mm-hmm. and um, verbally. He like stole my stuff. Like, honestly, my home relationship cultivated my partner relationship. Of course, and ever ask yourself, why do you like the bad boys? Well, go right back to what you grew up with. And I'm sure your answer will be right there. The thing is, Nick, that I had to go through that to realize that I am good enough at Mm -hmm. the end. It took like three years. But, you know, going back and forth, letting that that guy back into my life, stealing my stuff like I had to literally move out on my own to get away from him. And then after he was gone, I attracted another guy and it just kind of went from worse to good. So I had to go through like three really bad relationships Mm -hmm. to realize what it is. That I deserve and I deserve way better. And so it's funny because like people, like they attract people and they keep attracting if you don't start realizing Mm -hmm. what you don't need in your life. Like, honestly, it went from bad to good. And um, I kind of looked at that like, you know, it was a different type of abuse the first time around. Um, Then it went to physical abuse, the next one, um, which was shorter and then that's when I left like Montreal, that's where I was living, uh, to go to school. And um, and then, you know, like, like I've always held myself at a very high level. Like I always knew in high school that I was going to be great at something. Mm-hmm. I knew it. I felt deep in my soul, like that I'm going to do something great. I'm going to be good at business. I'm going to be like, I am going to be there. And I, I told my boyfriend that I had in high school. I said, "This is what I could do. It's funny because, eh? like, this is the '80s. So I'm gonna like I'm gonna be an amazing administrative assistant, and that's what you know. Like, <laughs> but that's like we don't we don't have all the fancy like business type like. I, and what do you know in high school, right? And I'm like, I'm gonna be in business, and I'm gonna be a mate. And I don't know, I don't know what that would look like. But anyway, <laughs> but I left, <laughs> and when I was with, I was working. I was with this boyfriend. I also realized that, A, I have to go back to school or I'm not going to amount to anything because I see exactly where non-educated people go. Like, unless you're extremely driven, which we've seen those success stories. And so that's where I went back to school Mm -hmm. and I had a great experience and I met great people. And, um, you know, I and then I graduated and I landed in, um, uh, I had a relationship there, which, you know, I, I mentioned abortion, like that's, that's kind of where that happened. Um, with a guy who's very, I want to say narcissistic all about himself. And he was a friend of mine that I knew for so long. It's just, and he was strange, but, um, you know, that, that point, when I finished school and I went traveling with him um, you just kind of realize like e, eh, not kind of like the boyfriend material or lifelong partner that I want to be with. Um, you start, you like, you're like, you know, these are things that I don't really want. Right. And I don't want to be with someone who's doesn't really care about me.
0: <laughs> you know,
1: I've, I've seen right. that enough. So like, I know that's what I don't want.
0: It's kind of an essential you know? trait when you're in a relationship, you have to care about the other person, right?
1: <laughs> well, you have to get smarter in your relationships. If you don't get smarter after certain bad relationships, I mean, where are you going? You're not progressing yourself forward. You're actually still going down like that hole of, you know, who's the next a-hole that I'm going to bring home. Right, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Um, And then how am I going to get, you know, what's going to happen to that guy? And then how am I going to get rid of him? like?
0: Why do you think women do that? that? (laughs) Obviously, that's a trait that if we're being honest, we would see more common in women where they they'll 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 take a relationship and realize not not unlike uh, not like you were, you know, one or two of these. And you're like, okay I got to get smart fast, but like (laughs) we're will repeatedly go back Even if she gets, she'll either take the same guy back or if that relationship comes to a screeching halt, Mm. she will find one just as substandard and toxic as the next. And she gets to this place where she cannot believe that she's worth having a good quality, solid man that's going to love her and be a good father and work hard and take care of her. Why do you think women get stuck in that mindset?
1: It's just, um, well, I mean, it all goes back to how you were built brought up Mm in my like so how did I learn from my parents what did I learn from my parents you know there's no love there's no communication so so what am I going to take to my next relationship even now it's been so long and I still am struggling with good communication like honestly it's not something you Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you change overnight but if you have a partner who's understanding of that's, you know, going to help you out. I mean, that's, that's, um,
0: you know, that's gold. Say when you made the decision to go back to school, there was like this season where you're like, okay, I got to do this, or I'm going to end up not where I want to be. There's this small voice inside of you that's was- screaming, I am destined for greatness. And you know what, that, that right there, just like, warms my heart to no end because all of my life, like there has been this one single solitary whispering yeah. voice that says you are destined for great things. Mm-hmm. But it's overpowered by all of these other voices, the voice of self-limitation, the voice of self-sabotage, the voice of demeaning parents, the voice Mm -hmm. of people in your network that are going nowhere. And to actually, it's like planting a seed in a bed of rock. Like there's no hope for this thing, but for some reason, it just, boom. It'll grow. Right. So you you make this, you make this decision to go back to college. How did you finance that return to college? Were you working at full time and going to school? Did you get some grants and loans? It was a combination of both. Like, how did you do that? Because there's people out there that are going to be uh-huh. like, I need to go back to school. I need to get a degree. I'm ready to change my life, but how do mm-hmm. I pay my bills and my rent? And maybe I have kids or whatever. How am I going to go back to school? Like we need blueprint, clear cut data mm-hmm. on how you did that. How did you do that?
1: Oh, okay. Well, I'll start Nick with, how I made this decision. Okay, so I'm going to give you a visual. So you're living in your city, wherever it is, and the worst part of it, okay? That's where your current ho- current apartment is. It's full mm-hmm. of cockroaches. You're working downtown, and you're like, I've got to make a change. So I'm sitting on my second balcony stairs, and I'm smoking a cigarette. So I'm also a smoker. But, right. Anyways, I am just so, but the thing is that I'm sitting there, on my steps, on my second floor apartment in the roughest part of town. And I'm smoking my cigarette and I'm looking around and I'm looking at my neighbors and there's this guy across the street and this wife beater, same deal, sitting there smoking a cigarette. (laughs) And I'm just like, uh... That's me. You know what's running through my head? <laughs> <laughs> first, yeah, no. First, I got caught quit smoking, so right. I like quit smoking, and then <laughs> and I'm like, I gotta go smoking right now, and then I've got to start getting active, and I have to start. I have to like make a plan to get out of here. And it's funny because at that time I had this this boyfriend, and I and also I was just like. I'm not going anywhere with my this job. I mean, I progressed in the job to the level I couldn't get any further. Right. And even even then it was like, you know, do I want to go further? Um, and so I want to go back to school. I'm like, what am I gonna go back to school doing? So A, I'm like, I gotta get away from this guy. So I'm just gonna go to a college like further away, <laughs> like break up, leave him and go. And so I found this three and I went to college. Like you're in the States, I'm in Canada. Um, colleges have amazing programs. Like you don't need to go to university. You had great programs. So this was a three-year program and a college that was about two hours from where I lived. So still close to my parents and, um, and uh, had friends who were already there. And so I applied and I got in now. I lived, I found this apartment that was in the basement. It was so dingy. It was like $200 a month. Maybe it was 180. I don't know. But anyways, it was a, it was probably the size of your, I don't know, the room you're sitting in right now, right. small, <laughs> small basement apartment. So that was close enough to school that I could, my dad actually bought me a cheap car. So I just, or I could bike. And I worked, I worked and I went to school and I got, um, student loans for that time. And during the summer I had like two jobs. Um, and, uh, so that's, that's how I, I got to school and in school, I met some amazing people. Um, and like I ditched the boyfriend He's like, no, we can make it work. I'm like, uh, no, it, let's just finish it right here. Because I don't want you to get all jealous because you think that I'm, anyways, we're just going to finish it. And I'm going to leave and you're never going to see me again. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> so uh, as long as you have a car, man, you can drive anywhere. Um, so that's, that's what I did. And the thing is about college programs is they usually have placements attached to them, which offer you. Uh, opportunity to work and this particular program which was um like literally they hired all of the students that went through this program it was a provincial um it was ontario provincial government that hired all the students like everybody didn't matter what kind of grades you had (laughs) they hired everybody because they were doing a complete reassessment of the whole province of Ontario, which okay. it took three years. So I didn't know that when I got there. It just so happened that when I graduated, this was going on in Ontario. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I ended up where I am now, like 25 years ago.
0: Right. Um and uh how long were you in college from that when you made that decision and put the cigarette out? And and drove and and drove to this college. (laughs) It was a
1: three-year program.
0: It was a three. Okay, so I'm extrapolating some things that I'm writing down as you're talking, and I just want to put them out there. Now, maybe you didn't realize this as you were sharing that story. Maybe if you sat down and had an introspective moment over a cup of coffee. But these are some things that I go over with my audience on the podcast all the time. What Mm -hmm. I'm what I'm seeing is a self awareness moment where Mm -hmm. there was a moment in time where you looked. Out broad view from the patio, and saw, like, I'm saying this jokingly, but a future of yourself as you know, like I'm gonna be that overweight guy with the wife beater and a cigarette. You know what I mean? Like, so there's a self-awareness moment where you're like, I have to make changes, and Mm -hmm. not just not just a moment where you say I need to, but you actually put action behind the decision to do it. Then what I see is Digging deep and sacrificing. Like some people would say, all right, I'll do this, but I got to have all these needs and these demands met. You weren't at that place. You're like, I'll take the dingy apartment because it's all I can afford. Whatever. Yeah, I'm choosing the mold over the cockroaches because I've made a committed decision and I'm going to Mm -hmm. take this. So I'm seeing a self-awareness moment. I'm seeing a dig deep and sacrifice moment. I'm seeing long haul and distance because it was three years like you try to get anybody, any millennial today that you tell them it's going to take three years to do something. They about have a conniption fit and a heart attack <laughs> because they can't see that far ahead. Mm-hmm. But it was self-awareness. It was sacrifice. It was commitment. It was long-term, like going the distance to get it finished. But what I also, I, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm hearing there, two different times you said you got around some great people when you got to that school. So what I'm seeing is a network change. Like yeah. you surrounded you pulled away from the toxic relationships and surrounded yourself with some like positive, like direction minded people that were on a mission themselves to go a certain place. And I'm seeing all these ingredients now percolating in this wake up call moment that you had that starts this journey of this life transformation to take you to where you are today. So I'd yeah. like to jump to that. I'd like to jump to what you do now and talk about like. What does the exercise do for you like today? Like the cycling and all of that stuff? Like, why why that? Like, why did we not be an administrative assistant at a business? Why I
1: did we- that actually.
0: What did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy it?
1: You enjoy oh, I'm like, uh, no, I need better. <laughs> no, but, but the thing is that um it's funny, like you say, because so I did that program. I went and I got hired, brought me to Ottawa. I worked three years and then they laid off everybody that once the job was done. Right. So I was back to square one again. Okay. What am I going to do?
0: Well, I had the the diploma.
1: Right. So I had a couple options that I could have done with that, but I was like, you know, hmm, I'm going to go back to school. (laughs) And I went back to school again in a one-year program, which landed me with many government contracts Mm because i i worked with an agency and that's where i got to do my admin assistant Mm -hmm. job and i was like oh my god
0: (laughs) (laughs) he's not gonna last
1: very (laughs) long here (laughs) Um, this is like yeah um i'm gonna go for other stuff and um and then i just sort of like okay There was a job I really, really wanted to become a property, no, um, project manager. I love managing. I love projects. And part of that back to school was in project management, but for IT. And um, and because I was on unemployment, you get paid, they'll pay you to go to school. So like, there's no reason why you can't go to school. Like there's all these programs, you just have to get off your ass and go find them. Right. Um. And so this allowed me to get into these government jobs and start surfing around. Mm-hmm. So I landed in this job that I was like, oh yeah, this is going to get me a project management assistant, it's where I can start working. But mm-hmm. it ended up working with this lady. I fucking I've never hated a job so much. And felt like I was so like, I was just saving space in this office and I literally quit. Like nobody quits on like a placement agency as I was like, sweetie, I am worth way more than this. I like, I don't want to work for this lady anymore. Mm. And, uh, you know, and at that time I had started my spinning studio and I was trying to work these two jobs, like business and job. Um, but, you know, it's funny because so I left that and I went to work full time for myself. But a lot of things had happened student- in that time, like, yeah. So like you, you asked, like, what drives me? Um, I started my studio in 2004 and I was forced to go and work full time because I was too scared. To work it full time for myself. So that's why I had all these like jobs. I mean, real, like jobs brought money in. Right. <laughs> Sometimes entrepreneurship is a pretty scarce. Um, ramen
0: noodles. <laughs>
1: yeah, ramen noodles. That's right. It's like, I'll eat that over craft dinner any day. <laughs> um, hmm. But, uh, you know, um, what the exercise does. For me now, I mean, like this was twenty years ago. It's funny, like you know, all these things like happen. Um, I had gotten into a, a marriage, I had a daughter at thirty-two. Um, I started my studio in two thousand one with a rental spot. Then I had my own location two thousand four, and that's when like shit hit the fan, like divorce. I had started with two partners in that studio. I was down to me after three months. Like, just imagine if you start a business with three people in a location and you're expecting to pay a third of everything. And then by Christmas, you're by yourself and you're like, what the fuck am I going to do? I've got five years here. And Mm -hmm. um, I had to get to work. Like I have never like adapted so much to my terrain so fast. Like, you know, it's like adapt or die. Right. That's and right. I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So I, I was like, spin this, spin that boot mom and baby, blah, blah, blah. I, I was like, I developed all these programs and this is 2004. Yeah. This is pre Facebook. If anybody can remember that. Wow! Like you know, like you got word of mouth. You got posters on the on the the,
0: and stuff. Yeah, yeah, the
1: laundromat, Like (laughs) you got you got this one email list that goes out to all the athletes in town. (laughs) Like that's what you got Mm -hmm. to build your business.
0: So you um, you just got aggressive and said the boats are burned. There's no retreat. Do or die. This is what I want. I'm not going to work for the crazy lady in the office. I'm doing this. So now, 2001, 2000, it feels so weird saying it because I'm I'm not 50, but I'm very close. But I grew up with He-Man and Skeletor and Garbage Pail Kids and all that stuff in the, 80s and the 90s and all that stuff. And when you say this was 20 years ago, I'm doing the math and I'm like, oh my God, that actually was, it's, it's 2021. It was. So mm-hmm. tell, me, tell me that the cycling studio that you have now is profitable and it's your main line of work, and you do well and you support your family on it. Well, <laughs> so, you better have a happy ending I,
1: story. <laughs> hey, the ending's not done yet, so that's, <laughs> so that's the other thing. So, but I did. So, so Nick, there's this is so so many things you talk about. So remember, I got married, mm-hmm. I got divorced,
0: right?
1: On my so I'm a single mom running a business. Yeah, and I took the house, so I'm like, I gotta pay mortgage. Um, one good thing, I like, I'm like, I'm having the house. I'm taking the house. He's like, What are you gonna do with the house? I'm like, Don't you worry you about, about the house. Just fucking get out kid, of it. it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <rude. laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> so here's something for, um, for all the you know parents or who are going through a separation, there's lots happening now, which is crazy because of, because of COVID. Um, we decided, and I, I am so grateful that my ex was really, um, we didn't fight. We didn't fight about this. It was pretty like cut and stone. This is what we're going to do. We're not going to put our daughter in the middle. Um, you know, and we're not going to waste our money and time on lawyers. And so... What we did was, we decided that our daughter was going to stay in the house, and we had to go and find places to live. So I was four days in the house; he was three days in the
0: house. That's and unique. until that's a unique plan, I've never heard. Yeah, but, well, okay, it, it was that.
1: recommended
0: by our okay. therapist. Okay, no, that's good. <laughs> no, whatever works. But
1: okay. so, so the thing is that her life wasn't. Rocked
0: right okay. as much
1: as we think it wasn't rocked. Like she's still, okay. you know, we talk about it. And she's like, you know, you guys went through your divorce. You're like, okay. And first of all, kids know everything. Sure. Don't think that they're like little blind mutants that don't absorb anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. They absorb everything. They hear everything. And so, anyways, um, so that's it, what we it. did for yeah. So that's what we did for about four months. Mm-hmm. We did that, and then I finally said. I want the house, you have to move out. Because I was running my business, and he had a government job. He had a government job. He can afford something else. I would not be able to afford anything near as nice as, this, as my house that I'm sitting in now, if I were to leave it, right? Yeah. Like, you know what rent's like? You know what kind of, location I was going to end up in
0: back with the cockroaches I'm going to do
1: it yeah back (laughs) exactly so I was like no way so he went and rented something new girlfriend whatever and I had to get a roommate I did all things like I sold jewelry I sold like anything that had value I had a roommate um a little bit of child support Mm -hmm. in order to keep my house like you know, and then I had to re- the realization that I had to start paying myself from my business, right. It was paying for my car and, and things like that. But, you know um, so, you know, those four years were pretty, pretty tough. I can't say that um, my business paid for, for some, you know, luxuries, a little bit of, you know, entertainment for myself, but it um, was pretty, pretty sparse and you know, just keeping afloat. Sure. Um, but one of the things that I did not want to do was to close that studio and quit. Cause that's when my dad said, well, doesn't make sense. You should just quit. I'm like, yeah. I am not going to quit just because it didn't work. Like I'm at a space right now yeah. and I have the ability to change that. I had great people working for me, like great staff and instructors, like, so blessed um and uh you know and you know we had a good uh child support agreement like one week on one week off so Mm -hmm. you know the one week I had off I worked like 18 hours a day the week that I had my daughter I was at home by three o'clock for her to get off the bus and so yeah so I honestly you know those were tough times, but I wouldn't change it. Like I, I changed things because um, I saw that I could, that I needed to like, you know, having my daughter get off the bus, for instance, instead of waiting till six o'clock to pick her up at daycare, right. you know, stretching it out to the last minute. And then I was like, no, this is not good. Yeah. So I made, you know, I made these changes and then, um, and then I met my husband. And uh, so back to your question, it is getting there. I don't have my studio anymore. Oh, that's right. actually it's closed it's it. Online. Yeah. yeah. So I, okay. I closed it and now I, and when I did in 2009 and there's like, I was at a point where I'm either close it or expand because we were kind of growing and I was finally like, you know, that was being paid off and things like that. And, uh, You know, something in the economy happened, like there was a big bus strike. And anyways, these are just Mm. anyways, it it kind of sealed the deal where, okay, I'm going to be closing it. And then I had the two extra kids that I talked about. (laughs) So it kind of worked out like I met my husband um, and then I closed my studio. We started having a family and um, and then I just kept one program from my studio that I ran every winter and I had my woman's cycling club in the summer. So these are kind of like, kept me going. And then I got into network marketing, but, you know, at that time I was like, oh, these are kind of like my, I call my glorified hobbies that I did, but I didn't make much money in it because my, you know, but uh, now I, and it took a while. I won't lie, Nick, like sometimes um, we take it takes a while for us to get into the groove of work again, like business. Right. And it takes me a while, um, you know, with the kids and, and everything, and I'm not going to use them as an excuse, but, um, but now I've, I've found my place and I found my groove where my online um, and uh, my fitness is all kind of coming together, mm-hmm. and I can probably say that within a year, it will be paying me a salary.
0: Yeah, a mm-hmm.
1: a a lucrative like a regular salary. Sure, like I'm getting to that point because. Yeah. On and I don't know about you, Nick, but it's it's hard to do this stuff by yourself.
0: Yeah.
1: Hiring professional coaches, mentors, and I don't know if you've gotten some of your own over the years really do pay off if you find the right person right because they are the ones like i don't know about you but you got lots of stuff going on up here mm-hmm. and sometimes it's hard to get it organized and on paper right where it's it makes sense mm-hmm. and it's going to take you in the direction you want to go <clears throat> so yeah. it's taken me a while because i'm like oh that's good. And I'm gonna, i'm going to do that and I'm like, oh, that! And I'm gonna do that. And I don't don't do anything
0: well. Wow. Needs people like us, though. It'd be a very <laughs> thing <like Yeah>. us. <laughs> so. Um, I'm gonna to have to ask your uh, forgiveness. <laughs> I have two questions, two questions for you, two last questions for you, and then I gotta ask your forgiveness sure. because I met this really cool chick recently who forced me to get a calendar, and then my calendar filled up.
1: B. <laughs> <See? laughs> That is so amazing.
0: And, and, I, and because, actually, I actually oh. have people like, like texting me now, like, are we still on for three? And I'm like, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Is no, that we're, today? We're, no, it's
0: yeah. <laughs> Squirrel. No, I'm just kidding. But no, just real quick before I let you go. Um, well, maybe okay. three questions. One, how are you leveraging what took place at home with the discommunication and the conspicuous absence of praise and affirmation, how are you leveraging that to make you a better mother? First question, go ahead.
1: We got another hour. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, because I don't know if you know but I like to talk. So um, great question, because I want to say that I've taken all my experience and I've made dang sure that, it doesn't transfer over to my kids. You know, you see these generations of kids and families that they just repeat, repeat, repeat
0: cyclical. Toxic. That's,
1: well, yeah. It's like, if you can't learn from your experience, then like, where are you going? Like, you know what I mean? Like yep. you have to realize, and it's, sometimes it's just putting your freaking ego away and saying like, like, this is really not right. Like whether you have a good example or not, like to base on, but I knew that this was, this was not what I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Like, if anything, I struggle every day um, with being like my dad, a workaholic, like just very like, um, I, I got blinders on, I don't see anything else and I just want to work, work, work all the time. Same way. And it, it, it's a struggle um and um i find my so,
0: purpose in it. I find mm-hmm? like i'm adding value because i don't because i'm starting from scratch and lived in prison from basically 12 until 23 like i wow. don't really know how to be a, what you would call a good father even though my wife tells me all the time i am one like i feel oh,
1: like oh we'll see you know, but you don't so, even have to question if she says that no, to you. you should
0: yeah you you're right I, I i'm getting there i'm getting there but when i'm Mad I'm sure she'll over. tell
1: you otherwise if you weren't.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, she would. <laughs> she's a good woman. So she's, but, a,
1: she's a really great partner to you.
0: Yeah. You know, she's following um, all over the place, chasing this oil field around. But I find myself, as long as I'm working, making great money and providing the private school education for my kids and this, wow. like, the resources my wife needs to make this home a very pleasant atmosphere, Like mm-hmm. I feel like I'm doing something but I don't want my legacy just to be the money that I made and mm-hmm. provided I want it to be that I imparted something emotionally and psychologically to my children in a way to where mm-hmm. yeah does that make sense you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about I'm looking for- do you
1: do you have like eight um so one of the things that we try and and it, I'm sure you do this like how old are your kids
0: 12 10 eight.
1: Oh, yeah. Three. Okay. So mine are nine and 11 and 19. Mm -hmm. Um, So just back to that, like, so based on my upbringing, personally, when I was a kid, and I look at my 19 year old, who went through the divorce, Mm -hmm. like her dad getting remarried with a very not nice woman. Um, unfortunately, and then my remarriage and kids. So she's very much in between everything. Right. And I very, I watch her very closely. And I try and be as supportive as a mom can without being like, you should be More doing powering. that. Not, yeah. right, right,
0: right. You
1: know what I mean? Like, like my mom. Um, <laughs> <you
0: know? laughs> I'm going to send her this. Just so you know, oh,
1: you, you can't like, <laughs> I'm just like, she just gets on me. You should be right I'm like, huh. mom, you can tell her. <laughs>
0: I think. Um,
1: so, and also because of what, like the suicide with me, I just like really, really close, like really watch her because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of parents just say, you know, like my kids are so this and so that, and there's so, so much turmoil going on inside them. Um, they're not as strong as us. do you know i don't i don't know what happened in the gene pool
0: there we think i don't we're just mothering and like oh we think or are they really resilient or no i don't know i'm asking i guess i
1: don't know i don't think so and i don't know what happened in the gene pool between our generation and the next one like our kids Uh like it's just like i know what happened what what
0: let's share a quote with you and it'll make sense okay what because it goes back to the depression era Hard okay. times breed hard men, hard men breed good times, good times breed soft men. Oh. And you and I went through some really hard stuff and we had to get tough. And now because of like mom guilt and dad guilt, and we want to protect them from that. We kind of make it really easy for them and we're careful with our words and we don't want to demean and we don't want to demoralize and we don't want to put our hands on our kids and, all of that stuff, and our kids grow up a little bit softer than we did. They don't go through any of the emotional baggage that we did and any of the addictions and the trauma and the psychological meltdowns and the confusion, but they're a little bit softer than we are as a result of not having to endure that that hell. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what I think is. So and I'm just weighing all that out, man. You should I be rough on my kids every once in a while just to toughen them up. I am. <laughs> Oh,
1: seriously, you want to talk about discipline?
0: <laughs> Careful, this on record. <laughs> this, we're recording <laughs> this. This <it>. is off <laughs> the record.
1: <laughs> Every, I don't want Chelsea to have a time out corner. I don't care. <laughs> you know, like that. <laughs> well, there's there's like discipline and then there's like discipline. Yeah, I got you. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's like abusive discipline. But, <laughs> you know, like I have no problem. and no <laughs> problem. Even with my daughter, you know, like because... And that is, and this is like a whole different tangent, but if you let them get away with Mm. stuff like the tantrums when they're younger, Mm. oh my God, that breeds all Mm. sorts of, you know, entitlement and like, and deserving, like, they just are never punished and they don't, they don't, they don't Mm. get it. I'm not saying they don't get it, but Mm. you have, they have to they don't have the respect right and if you don't create the respect
0: mm-hmm. through discipline yeah
1: then you lose control
0: period. yeah and then you raise a and, toxic but they're toxic on the other side of the spectrum they're not like oh yeah different. they don't listen to you yeah they don't like you know like and yeah i get it. entitled little shits as opposed to abusive <laughs> you know abused and psychologically damaged people they're now they're now entitled little shits and it's just as bad just on different sides of the spectrum, I guess. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then you got let those me, bullies and all that stuff.
0: Let me ask you this. out of it. Do you like to read? I do. What are you reading you, right now? Or what's um, the last book you read? Either what you're reading right now or the last book you read that you really enjoyed that was like self-improvement based.
1: Okay. Well, no, that's that's funny. Funny. No. <laughs> okay. No, it, you know what? It's funny, Nick. <laughs> I haven't read like a book in like six years like maybe well maybe one but they're mm-hmm. all like self-improvement I do a lot of audiobooks okay well that, that, I don't that have to, yeah that yeah, counts. I don't have time to read yeah like sit down and read because like mm-hmm. uh I just don't have time sure um I read like one page at night and I'm like sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um I'm reading T. Harvecker's Millionaire Mind I think that's what it's called it's like sitting right over there I went through it and he's got great examples to, to prove. So I journaled at the same time.
0: So you're, I, reading, you're journaling as you're reading.
1: Yeah. Because if you okay. if you read his book at the end of each chapter or each segment, there are about two to three questions he asks you Okay. to journal on. So <laughs> I read a section, then I'll journal it. And, um, and then I read unsubscribed. Which is being unsubscribed to your your whatever, your launch. And then that was super. And I'm reading um I read. So I now I'm into some cycling stuff because it's cycling. Sure. Um Joe Friel's uh fitness over fifty. So I'm 50. That's super interesting. So I've got like a couple audio books on the go. And then I'm reading um kind of like a biography from a psych uh pro cyclist that's on my bed that's the one i fall asleep on awesome
0: (laughs) i'd be like i try to let guys know that there is something to be said with rebuilding the neural pathways of the brain (laughs) through positive affirmation and through literature and it's been the catalyst for me books um you know just the classics think and grow rich napoleon Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of Tony Robbins. The Go
1: Giver. Yeah. Did you ever read The Go Giver? The Go Getter.
0: Uh, no, I guess not. Good stuff.
1: <gasps> oh, you have to. I'll send you the. Yeah, and it, it's it's a really cool story mm-hmm. of a person who is like entitled, and 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 he right up to his business, but it's the Go Getter. Oh, I have to look at my Yeah. But I'll send you. Later. Yeah, I'll yeah. send it to you after. But that one is a short book and it's got such great um, content and lessons in it. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody could be selling the nail file, but if you're being, um, you know, like really serving on it, then you'll sell it more than the next. Right. Kind of different than that. I don't don't want to say it's salesy, but it's relationships, it's like connecting. But yeah, uh, yeah, I really like that one. So before we
0: wrap up, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, because like, when you're dry, like you said, you're a driver, like a trucker is a trucker.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep.
1: Did you know that you could literally get a university degree from listening to 40 hours or not 40 hours? Is it like a 40 hours of content? There's something like that. Like if uh-huh. you're listening to 40 hours of like, maybe it's a, or 40, something like that. Uh-huh. But you think about all the things that you learn. Like, like how many things you could learn while you're driving for hours and hours and hours,
0: podcasts,
1: books, um, learn new skills. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I'm, I'm totally into it. That personal growth and development and self-improvement is my life these days. And I love it. So how can people find you? If they want to check out your cycling, your online cycling, you know, programs, your fitness programs, and all that stuff. Yeah,
1: we didn't know. get into that, eh? Oh. So, um, but so I want people to on- be
0: able to, if they're interested in that, like I'm going to talk to my wife about it. Here. And so it's like Peloton. Is it like a Peloton kind no, of? No,
1: it's so well. Peloton is another thing, but huh. it's like I have an online cycling workout membership. Okay. So it's I do three lives a week. Okay. And I know like a lot of people can't join the lives for, you know, um, time zones or just timing in the morning, mm-hmm. but all those, those workouts are then, uh, produced and put and recorded and put into the on-demand library. So go. I have a lot of people who access the on demand right. library because a mornings mm-hmm. doesn't work. They do them at lunch or right. after work. And, um, so that, uh, membership, you can actually, um, well, I'm going to say you go to cycle online, and you can jump in with a free seven day trial. And if you like it, so that gives you access to everything, the live, the on demand, mm-hmm. they, in the, uh, the supportive community group. Um, and then after, if you like it, you get 20% off the first month. So then you can decide you're going to do lives or the on-demand or, you know, get the unlimited everything. You can decide what membership is is right for you. Um, so I like to meet people who join in. So that's cyclefitness.online. And uh, you can find me on Instagram. Um, you can find me on YouTube if you want a good example before you jump into the free. I have... Free workouts on my YouTube channel. Just Google Sylvie um, Dayou, D A O U S T. There you go. There you, go. <laughs> um, you can find me <laughs> there. Um, and uh, yeah, so those are two spots. If you're on Facebook, you can find me there as well. Awesome. Um, but cool. yeah, it's really fun. I, I love it. Um, and like for women, we just need to um, think about building and and bone density. And that's, you know, it's another topic. That's, you know, that's why I do it. And you know, there's like my own fitness and to inspire others and to um help others with their their health journey of a life of fitness. Yeah. Um, because a lot of how we feel about ourselves comes down to how we really feel inside. Yep. And if you can be working towards feeling good and having those happy endorphins um you know they're t- three times a week and you just start feeling good about yourself and and that's where it starts yeah, a lot physical. of people it's it's super hard to get yeah. started and i understand like
0: sure. i've noticed the physical actually affects the yeah and the psychological sure. actually affects the physical and when i'm jogging every morning and running and getting my endorphins up and all that mm-hmm. I feel like i'm living my truth and it just sets a precedent for the entire rest of the day mindset. For sure, yeah. Just, I want to do awesome, Sylvie. This has been an awesome interview. Um, I'm going to turn you loose, but would you come back? Oh, thanks, Nick. Would you come back, oh on? Do it again? Lo- yeah,
1: I would love
0: to. All right, I know. So-
1: As you see, there's so many directions we go to. I'd like I'm like, when I start thinking about when you started thinking about, it, you go back to your like just back to the past. You're like, oh my gosh, Jesus. what have I I done you know like you just start lay it out you're like
0: wow like I was good but I think it was helpful for people because when people are stuck mm -hmm. and they feel like Mm -hmm. there's no way to get out or get get ahead to hear the story from someone Mm -hmm. else gives them the inspiration and the encouragement that they need to um it's yeah themselves, you know
1: and you just have to realize that you deserve more you deserve better yeah and if you don't believe that, that's where you have to start. Like honestly, looking in the mirror and just loving or figuring out how you can start to love. And I mean, I don't know your story, but it sounds like, you know, you're doing a great job of how you've come along and, and changed. And now you're helping other people. With your podcast is amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Awesome. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, well, I'll turn you loose for now. and We'll talk again soon.